Greetings, beloved friends, and um, welcome to our podcast where we will be discussing the Holy Scriptures, that is the, um, the Bible, maybe as other people know it to be. Um, and I know we have a lot of questions and things we don't understand that pertain to the Bible. Maybe just to uh, get us into this discussion, uh, need be that I introduce the people that are sitting here. Uh, yeah, just you just introduce yourself and we pass it back and quickly get into our discussion, starting over here with Nan. Hello, my name is Nani So. Hi, my name is Sonny. Hi, my name is Adrian. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for the introductions. My name is Pastor Brian Moy. So we are looking at the Holy Scriptures, um, the Bible. And maybe as we, I know you are the ones who have a lot of questions uh, that you're going to be shooting at me. So please um, be uh, uh, soft and lenient with this man. But um, just as a form of probably a background, we have things that are always asked when it comes to the Bible. That is the inspiration of the Bible, that when we look at the Bible, what is it actually that was inspired? Uh, they want to call the other part verbal inspiration, where we actually say, you know, it, it claims that whatever is it, the Bible is a word-to-word -word detection of the voice of God. You guys, this is going to come as a question to you, that verbal inspiration, the word of God, the Bible is a word-to-word uh, detection of the word of God, of the voice of God. And the other one is thought inspiration, where we say, no, 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 it's not a word-to-word -word inspiration, but what is actually inspired in this part of it is that it is the thought is what is inspired. So then the writer writes in his context, writes in his language, and writes based on his level of education and things like that. Questions that are found in the scriptures. Number two, we have questions to do with some differences or things we may want to call errors in the Bible. You know, I'm just trying to show that there are a lot of things we can discuss when it comes to the Bible. I'll give you a very quick, quick example. You look at Matthew chapter 10, it will speak about two blind men that Jesus met on his way to Jericho. And the two blind men cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us. That's Matthew. You go to Mark chapter 10, same narration. You will say, then there was one blind man, gives him a name, it's by the name Bartimaeus. The blind Bartimaeus cried out, Son of David, have what? Mercy on us. And then we say, okay, who is lying between the two? Does it necessarily mean the other is lying? Oh, why? A whole lot of things. There are a whole lot of things we can discuss here. And I know you have the questions. I was just trying to say, let's be free to discuss and heat up this. So I don't know who starts here with whatever they want to ask and we discuss. Nani. All right. My first question is, who decided on what stories should make up the Bible? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. Who decided on what stories should make up the Bible? I'm sure lots of things happened, uh -huh. you know, and, and during that time. That's why I'm asking, like, 
who then picked that, no, let's put this one, this one, we can leave it out, you know. That's my question. So this is where inspiration comes into play. We, because we are saying the writers of the Bible wrote the Bible as they were inspired of by the Holy Spirit. So my answer to that would be to say the Holy Spirit decided or God decided which stories befit to be in the Bible or which narrations must be in the Bible because they were inspired in the thought to put that which is in the Bible. So God decided the contents of the Bible. Is, is that said? Yes, that's all right. And the follow-up one, a follow-up question is who puts the Bible together? Who puts who puts it together? Okay. Yes. After after God has decided that yes. they they um um what do you call this? Uh, what what should be written? Yes. yes. Then who then put it together? But I, I think we need to come to a point of uh, uh, realization to agree that the Bible. I mean, when we're speaking about the Bible, we're speaking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Eh? Um, that before Jesus Christ came, already the Old Testament had been canonized. When I say the Old Testament, I mean the, the, the Torah, the first five books. Um, I, I want to look at the first five books of Moses. That at that time already those had been, you know, you remember the old, they would read the Old Testament. Jesus would read the scriptures. It says you would enter into the synagogue and read the scriptures. So what it means is that by the time he comes, the Old Testament at this moment is already canonized. Huh? It's, it has already been set up, canonized, and it's closed. That is the Old Testament at the time. Um, um, so then also the New Testament, we then also had a council um, that then set down again. I don't want to belabor you with all the details, but that also set down and canonized the scriptures so that this thing has order. But how are they doing all these things? They're doing all this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's not like a group of elders drunk with kachas who then decide that we wanted to canonize this thing. And they say, mm, John's book can do, Matthew's can do, so-and-so's can do that. No, 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 no. While they are doing this canonization, it's the act of the Holy Spirit, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to choose that which must be. Number one, the Holy Spirit chose what should be in the book, the specific book to say Matthew. He chose what should be in the book. Number two, the Holy Spirit then also chose which book must be part of the canon of the Bible? Yeah, my thoughts. Uh, Pastor, um, you spoke about um, inspiration. So can we think in terms of a holistic involvement by the Holy Spirit when it comes to scriptures? Um, so we're talking about the people which were inspired to write the words, then also the people which were inspired to um, collect the appropriate writings together. Then also the people which are inspired to safeguard the writings. And then also, are we also inspired when it comes to then reading and understanding these scriptures which have been put together? Whenever, so, when I, okay. Yes. Whenever I stand up to preach, I have a prayer. Of course, it now becomes, I have a prayer. And my prayer always is, um, I pray that may the same interpreter, the, the same 
Holy Spirit that inspired the writers of the word be able to inspire the interpreter thereof in myself today. So you can only be able to understand the scriptures when you understand when they are interpreted to you by the one who inspired their writings. So it is the, it is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who interprets these things to us. So we can only be able to understand what is in the Bible through the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? <clears throat> yes, that's very okay. clear. Mr. Adrian. All right. Um, so my question now is on just to try and understand inspiration. So what is inspiration? Um, is it someone feeling energized? So if I wake up feeling, yeah, today I feel holy and I want to write something, um, does that qualify it to go in the Bible because it's inspired? How do we then identify what inspiration is? Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's tricky. <laughs> to say you sleep and then you wake up. <laughs> yeah, you're feeling you're like you got some energy inside you. That makes you feel, no, I need to, you know, um, uh, do this. Yeah. But here, here is what we want to all agree that this, we are speaking of men and women who were um, um, conversating with God daily, you understand? Men and women who would hear the voice of God through uh, visions, through, you know, um, voice indeed, you know? So we, we are going to a space of saying that there is need for you. I can't wake up now and claim that um, God has given me a particular word and ABC and D. We, we, there are tests that are brought about to try and prove the inspiration of the individual, which were also the characteristics that were used when canonization was being done, that there were certain standards that were put out to say, okay, how do we qualify this guy's writings as inspired of by the Holy Spirit? Or this guy was just full of beans in his stomach, and then he decided to write things. Oh, how do we tell? So there's a standard and things we look at or things that were looked at, which is still the same standard that needs to be used by people today when they listen to their pastors and prophets, that is this man inspired or is just hungry and looking for food for his children? So those qualities, characteristics must be looked at, and then we can qualify that your word is indeed inspired all right then i have another question how long did it take to put the bible together hmm okay that's a tricky question i i, I um, i'm not sure whether i expected it to come uh, like that but it's obviously a, I mean a, a, a long period of, of years. I wish I had my debts uh, straight up with me. You'll pardon me for that. But it's obviously a, a lengthened period. It's not like it was uh, um, 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 Moses is writing um, Genesis, Exodus, and uh, Isaiah is writing Isaiah, and because these are events that occurred in the length of time. So we want to allow that history also to have those events being um, noted down as they happen or as things have happened in the past. And then, so yeah, I can't have a specific time per se, but took many, many years for the writing of the particular books. Yeah. And then it 
took time also for the canonization to okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I have a question on these uh, scriptures and the Bible in it, like within itself. Um, we see that now we have these many versions of the Bible, you know, from Amplified Version to NSB. Um, are we in danger of the scriptures changing their meaning through all these new translations and the changings of um, the wordings? that the original wording came as it is, but now through the, in trying to simplify and change things for people to understand, is there that danger of certain scriptures losing their original meaning? I mean, the danger is obviously there because it has already happened. We may need to first agree on certain uh, fundamentals. That is obviously that the Bible was not written in, in English, nor in Debele or Shona or Zulu. The Bible was written in the languages of the authors in the times. The Old Testament being put up in Hebrew, and obviously it was then translated at a later stage for the groupings we find in the New Testament into what we then called the Septuagint. That is the Greek version of the Old of the of the of the Old Testament, and we also uh, the new the New Testament being certain parts of it being written in Greek and certain parts of it being written in Aramaic, and all those remember we have what we call manuscripts, original manuscripts, that contain the writings in the original uh, language. So. Now it depends. We have a lot of these manuscripts that people pick up and claim to be the original manuscript, if you get what I'm saying. So because we have a lot of these manuscripts, each and every individual is translating from a manuscript that they claim is the, is the original, if that is the first basis. So number one, we need to understand that these manuscripts, as they came, people are translating from that. And we have limitations now of language because Greek as a language is not just to say, it's like, it's like Shona, you see? Shona, we have Chizezuru. Is it, is it still Shona? Eh? Are you yes. guys Shona? Yes. Yeah? yes. And then there's what, uh, Chimanyika. Is that it's still Shona, is it? Yes, it's Shona. And you have Chikaranga, it's also Shona, right? So it's just like Greek. You know, you have Koine Greek, you have Byzantine, you know, um, still Greek, but it's different. The way it's written is different. The meanings differ also. You know, a certain word can mean something in Chikaranga and mean something else in Chizezuru. But you ask those two people, what are your language are you speaking? They say, I'm speaking Shona. So, all those limitations contribute to the kind of translation that you have, number one. Number two, many of the translations we are seeing these days are not translations from the original text. They are now translations of a translation. Where I'm translating the King James Version, I'm translating the NIV, or I'm translating so that it suits the audience that I'm translating for. For example, we will look at maybe the King James Version and we say the King James Version was translated uh, from the original manuscript, but the individual was going for 
word-to-word translation. If I give you a Greek text right now, if I give you a Greek passage, it will not make sense. Maybe we should try that. And I give you um, a passage in, um, in, in Greek and we see what the passage will say in the Greek and what the passage should be saying in English if it were um, uh, translated. I'm trying to think of a, a, a passage that, I can, uh, that we can uh, quickly uh, go to. Maybe let's go to the, the, the common passage, John 3 verse, um, verse 16. Yeah? Very common, isn't it? That you don't need to, to open your, you know the English part of that. Um, John 3 verse 16 um, um so let's 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 try and see um so so John 3 verse 16 this is how it's going, it was going to read in greek huh? and then i'll give you the english equivalent it was going to say how tos ga egapesen ho theos let me and therefore now. I said how tos ga egapesen ho theos. Let me bring that in English. If we were to translate it, I'm giving you a sentence here. If we were to translate it the way it is, maybe let me say theos ton um, cosmon so that it makes sense, eh? Yeah, because after that then we have our comma. So how tos ga egapesen ho um, theos Tone cosmos. What is that in English? In English, it will be thus for loved God the world. Are you are you getting it? Thus for loved God the world. So, what did the translator have to do? Because if you were to put it as it is in the Greek, it doesn't make sense to anyone. So then we'll come in and, and, and put out that, or maybe let me give you the whole text if we are to bring it to English according to its lineup in Greek. This is how it was going to read. Thus for loved God the world, that the Son, the only begotten, he gave so that everyone believing in him not perish, but should have life eternal. The passage is not making sense according to the English language. It's not, you know? So what did the translator do? The translator then comes and says, oh, okay, what is this person trying to say? This person is saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. So then Translators come in and say, no, 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 no. Uh, when he said monogene, it's not only begotten. It's begotten one. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So it's now translators trying to say, no, when we say monogene, it doesn't mean only begotten. It actually means uh, one. Or it actually means only. It actually means just begotten or, or things like that. So then the translators will put that which they want to put in that particular space. Or the translators are translating to give you what they know you want to hear. 
removing that which is important from the passage. So basically, that's where we are. And so are we safe? You need to become safe by understanding and knowing what the original would have said in that particular passage. Yeah. I just have a quick, um, just a, f- a follow-up on that one. Okay. Where are these manuscripts? Where are they kept? Uh, obviously, we have, you know how archaeologists do these things. If I am to excavate and find something, then that becomes my pride and source of um, income. So there are museums where we know these things are kept and, you know, because they make money for someone that you come and just view that that is an original manuscript, you know. And some of these are now just, you know, frills of papers and things like that. Yeah. Well, and when I say papers, I just mean what they used in, in, in putting down, you know, the materials that they wrote on at the time. Yeah. All right. Um, what I wanted to ask now is um, regarding just even like regarding the basically the is there more that was written than uh, what is put in the Bible as we know it today and um, like how since there are different manuscripts that were translated from how do we know? Um, which ones are inspired and which ones aren't. Uh, because, like you mentioned, these are things that are artifacts that were excavated by or whatever they were found by archaeologists. Um, is it not possible that um, maybe a, a character that's not necessarily um, upright in the Bible or in the scripture may have written that and someone finds it and they're like, ha. Huh, I found a letter that was written by Judas, for example. Uh, what does he say about the accounts that happened when Jesus was here? I think, well, maybe I, I picked two, two questions from your contribution. Um, the, the, the first was to say, uh, how do we know then that this translation is actually, I mean, how do we know that the manuscripts and things like that are then? You will discover that, actually. Uh, the, the manuscripts are then found when we already have an existing uh, text, if I may come to say, that these are things excavated that come and confirm the context of the text. I don't know if I'm making any sense to say, um, because we have these that were being used to say, we already had this Old Testament that is being used. And those picked it quickly early in the times, translated to whatever it is into their language. But we needed then something to come in and confirm that, I know what is actually in the, is actually what is in the original manuscript. So that on its own uh, confirms. But I mean, we could uh, delve deeper into the into the study of that, but it's a whole lot of study on its own. And also the issue of to say, do we have other books that were written by other people? That Yes, they are there. But when canonization was happening, the Holy Spirit did not accord them or the council that canonized did not accord them the ability to qualify into the scriptures. I mean, because a lot of people wrote a lot of books. 
even up until this day, we still have people writing and they're writing a lot of books. Can we then say all spiritual books are part of the Bible? Then we'll have a big challenge. So God, the Holy Spirit, was helping those who were canonizing scripture to know what to put and what not to put. Anyone else with another? Yes. Um, I wanted to just ask, when it comes to the scriptures, when we are studying the scriptures, are we, should we only study the scriptures by themselves or we can use other people's writings which were inspired? As you said, there are, there are ways to, like, to test if someone has been inspired. So we can take, for example, Ellen G. White. Um's writings where she also touches on certain things in the Bible and then amplifies it. So um for me I would just like to know sometimes is it just good to um read the scriptures by themselves or I can also use other people's writings together with the scripture I'm, I'm reading. Uh, what what should come out as a basis of um and that is you need to know what it is exactly that the word says you know so whatever extra biblical material you're studying must not contradict with what is in the bible because the bible then stands out to be the sole word of god that we know is inspired so whenever then you read extra biblical material or whatever other books uh, written by other people, you must ensure that those things fit into, not the Bible fitting into the interpretation in the books, but the books fitting into what is in the, in the Bible. Yeah. Also, maybe just a bit of explanation on the issue of translations. There are a lot of uh, translations eh? The one that I was saying, at times someone uses dynamic equivalence and the other is using word equivalence and the others are using the paraphrase, I mean, the paraphrase. Have you seen paraphrase versions? Where you look at, you read, you're like, oh, this guy paraphrased everything that was in the, you know, the individual says, what was this person saying? What does this person want to say in this passage? And quickly they'll just give you, okay, this is what this person was saying, this is what this person was saying. And they paraphrase and put that in their own uh, language. So now as a reader, you need to be able to know. At times you may discover, you find a paraphrase that will tell you actually the exact thing that the verse was saying, which has been translated in word equivalent, but you did not get anything while it was in the word equivalent. And just a follow-up of that, um, is there... Would you have advice for people on how best to prepare themselves to study the scriptures? Like how, 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 best? how best to approach the scriptures before they start reading them for them to fully be able to understand them? This is an inspired book uh, that cannot easily be understood by men of flesh in their, uh, uh, what do you call it, in their human capacity. So we always need the Holy Script, the Holy Spirit to inspire us as we study the Word of God. So there is need for the preparation of the individual as you go to study the Word of God. And also at the same time, that applies even to preachers, you see, that we cannot just stand up in the pulpit and preach, just open the Bible and expect to preach out something that is powerful from that, from, from that when we have not been 
fed the word of God and have had the Holy Spirit translating the scriptures to us. So the only possible way is through prayer, seeking the Holy Spirit to inspire us as we study the word of God. I want to give you an example of, um, of um, Psalms 1 verse 1 in, in, in four different translations. Eh? Um, you know the NA, NASB? Um, that one is usually the word, word equivalence. They use word equivalence. So it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Eh? Then the ones who use the blend, NET, it says, How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Dynamic equivalence says, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers? Listen to the paraphrase. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at sin saloon. You don't slink along dead end road. You don't go to smart mouth college. It's the message Bible, this one. So what is the individual doing? He has looked at the word and then said, okay, this is what. Then he looks at the people he's writing for and he says, okay, I'll give you this. This is what is going to help you to understand. Mm -hmm. Anyone else with another question or thought? Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to ask a question um, centered around the, the, the translations that you've given us. So it's, there are two questions. The first one is, how much do we lose uh, with these translations? And the second one is, um, is it advised to speak in a way that relates to the people that you're talking to? Um, like you mentioned, hang out. That's something that would appeal to um, people that are younger. If you say hang out to someone who's younger, they'll understand that you mean, oh, uh, be in the company of people that are sinful. Um, so I don't know. Is it advisable to then put the Bible across in that way or the scriptures across in that way? Um, and how much do we lose? Those are my two questions. Okay. Um, la language is, is, what do we say? We say language is dynamic or is what? Progressive. What is the proper word? Whichever of the two. But what it means is that language changes. Then the Bible we used to speak many years back is no longer the same within the Bible we speak now, although the general principles are still the same. So our, our, we, just, we just concluded a, a, a project for Biblica International, the one, the Bible, Bible Society, you know, that does the translation of Bibles, New Living, uh, New International Vision. We were doing, uh, we were uh, translating the Ndebele Bible, doing a revised version of the Ndebele Bible. And when we're looking at the version that was already there, I myself, I had some words that were written there, though correct, but I didn't know what they mean. 
and it doesn't mean that those who translated that particular version back in the years were wrong. No, they were not wrong. The words used to work in the time and they had that particular meaning. For instance, they would use words like uh, inkezo um, and, and other deep ndebele words that when you go to schools today, those words are not being taught. You may actually find them saying inkomicho. I'm just trying to use, um, you know. So, will it be a challenge when then someone does a revised version of, let's say, the King James Version or the NIV, and they are substituting a word with the particular meaning that can now be understood by Adrian today? But 20 years ago, that word could not have been understood. And the word that was used 20 years ago, Adrian can't understand it today. But does it take away the meaning? of what is in the word, no, it doesn't, then I don't see a problem with putting those things. In actual fact, it enhances that you understand. This is why you'll hear preachers saying, the English word used here says this. And they're like, no. But when you look at the original, the original says this. And then you will come back again to the English. And when it comes back now to the English, it's giving you current English words that may actually have been meaning the same thing with the one that is actually in the verse. But you and me currently don't understand that word in the sense that the interpreter or translator wrote it as in the particular time. Are you guys saying uh, I've finished the questions that you had for me? Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, but so in any case, when you look at the Holy Scriptures, the key things to be able to always put at the back of your mind is that the Word of God is inspired, number one. And the inspiration of the Word of God does not mean that word to word, the inspiration was word to word. No, God inspired the thought, not word to word, if you understand what I'm saying. So that you understand that when Matthew wrote and he says there were two blind men, and they cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Matthew's focus is not on the number of men, but Matthew is writing to the Jews. He wants Jews to believe that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. So what does he do? He is focusing more on what they said, so it better it be said by these two men. So his focus is on the words of what the men said. You go to Mark, Mark says, no, I'm worried about what these guys confirm, that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm actually worried about the individual that was actually hid, who is but me as to the audience of Mark. And Mark is saying, no, to my particular audience, we are focusing more on the people. Who are you? And I'm focusing still on saying Jesus still healed this particular individual. So when you have that background to say, no, when I read the word of God, I must be able to understand that I'm reading the word written by men. I'm trying to make myself clear here. That when you are reading a story and it says Joseph was about to um, divorce Mary in secret, it's not like it's some holy act or uh uh-uh. It's divorce. He wants to divorce him because because Mary is now pregnant and he's wondering how is Mary pregnant. When you read that Mary was now pregnant and she was saying the pregnancies of the Holy Spirit, 
don't put that into into uh, into heaven it was not happening in heaven it was happening on earth are you getting what i'm saying so that you know that yes it is the inspired word of god but the thought is what is inspired it's activities and events of men being written by men in the inspiration through the inspiration of the holy spirit so we need to be able to know that mary underwent the ridicule of men like me who would ask you you are pregnant <laughs> Sister White, oh, uh, Mary, you are now pregnant. Where did this come from? And Mary says to me, ah, no, <laughs> actually, it's, <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. Like, Mary, you are going crazy. You are going mad. You are literally going mad. You understand what I'm saying? Because of that particular... So when you have the under, that understanding of the Bible, this is where you begin to enjoy reading it. Because you are not reading some holy fictional material written by human beings who didn't go to the toilet. You are reading something that was written by the end of men and people who would write and use their level of intellect. Look at the writings of Paul. Best theologian of the time. You read his writings at times, you don't understand anything. You're like, what is this guy even saying? You know, using deep words, uses things that are so, so, so once you understand that, and then you go to the guys like John, you know, they love love. He loves his Jesus. You will speak about Jesus to, you know, so you need to, know, oh, John the beloved, closest to Jesus Christ. Oh, no, you see, and you have an understanding of saying, okay, this is what I'm reading. You look at guys like, um, 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 Jeremiah, you look at guys like Isaiah, and you look at them and you're thinking, oh, Jeremiah, <laughs> the man on fire, you know? You, you, you look at his uh, demeanor, his personality, and so you understand when he writes that no one else can write like him. It's Jeremiah, this will be Jeremiah. And then you're able to interpret that from that particular uh, perspective. So the Holy Scriptures must be read. How do we read them? We need the inspiration from God to be able to understand all those things. I think we have uh, dealt with the things that you had as questions, although I would have still wanted more questions. But anyway, God bless you, and we hope to meet again in the next discussion that we will have as a team. God bless you, and have a pleasant day. <laughs>